Listener discretion is heavily advised. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this can happen to me, plucked from obscurity or whatever I was working to be. But the opportunity presented itself, so I seized the door was open. It's the breath of fresh air that I needed. Just an average dude, and now I've become a catalyst. Make connection between fighters and fans. Can you imagine it? I've learned to manage it. Analyst analysis, studied the sport in every point because I'm passionate. I play the advocate and sometimes the antagonist. Building up the hype before a fight, this ain't by accident. In the world of mixed martial arts, I'm the evangelist spreading the news of MMA, the number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness, that's when we collaborate. Mikey Ruckus, Jeremy Brandis, we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision and yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. What's up, suckers? We're back for yet another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I say this as always, we have a jam-packed episode for you this week. First off, thanks to my sponsors over at Onnit.com. Head on over to Onnit.com and enter in the coupon code MMASucker, that's M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A, for... 10% off your entire supplement purchase. As you know, I'm sure you've heard Joe Rogan say it before, these guys do any and everything human optimization and human performance. So head on over to onnit.com, enter in the coupon code MMASUCK and get yourself 10% off your entire supplement purchase. With that, I'll talk about my guests. As I said, it's jam-packed. Um, rounding out the show, we will have Justin Pirot on the show twice. At the end of the show, he will be giving us his pick for beer or booze for UFC 179 in his edition of Fight Boozin'. He will also be up early in the show with his, uh, unpopular opinions. Uh, my one UFC guest this week is UFC 179's Neil Magny. This guy's heading to Brazil to fight his fifth, yes, fifth UFC octagon appearance of 2014. So good luck to him. We'll chat with him later on in the show. But kicking things off, I'll be joined by two of the biggest media members um, in the game today, right after this. Joining me now are two of the best in the business when it comes to mixed martial arts media. Please welcome MMAJunkie.com's Mike Bond as well as Fox Sports's Mark Raimondi. These two are going to help me break down UFC 179 as well as go over some of the news from this week. Thanks for coming back on, Mike. Thanks for having me, man, and thanks for introducing me first. You clearly <laughs> know what's up. Welcome for the first time, Mark. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I don't know what gives here. I mean, why does uh, why does Bond get the first introduction? Is it some kind of Canadian thing? It, it's got to be, guys. It's <laughs> first things first. This week we found out breaking news that Cain Velasquez is out of his UFC 180 main event with Fabricio Verdum for the heavyweight championship. This guy can't catch a break, or he can. Um, but Mark, did you ever think that in 2014 or 2015 coming up that we would ever see Mark Hunt fighting for a title inside the UFC octagon? I didn't think uh, in, in this year that we'd be seeing Mark Hunt uh, fight for a title. I mean, he came into the UFC with a with a sub 500 record, yeah, and uh, he lost he lost his first UFC fight to the immortal Sean McCorkle, and after that, I think I, I mean I think most people probably thought that he was done. I mean. For him to be back where he is now, it's I'm not sure if it's I mean it's obviously a credit to him, but it's also uh, a, a bit of a knock at the at the depth of the UFC's heavyweight division. Um, but, uh, to, to Mike's point, uh, it, it doesn't make sense that he's that he's filling in in, in this case. Why you know why mess with the Junior Dos Santos Miocic um, fight at you know UFC on Fox in, in December? Why break that fight up? You know you already have a main event. Slide Mark Hunt in there. Uh, he's a pretty popular guy. I'm not sure if anyone in Mexico has ever heard of him, but uh, 
he's a, he's a pretty uh, pretty popular guy among American fans, at least. This does sort of kill that. I mean, that buzz for the first Mexican card, though. Hey, hey, Mike. Oh, dude, this is that's the worst part about this whole situation. I mean, it's not a bad fight at all. Mark Hunt and Fabricio Verdun. That's an awesome fight. It's just the circumstances outside of it. The fact that this is the UFC's first event in Mexico, and it was pretty much built all around Cain Velasquez. They had the Ultimate Fighter that's still going on right now. Uh, we don't even really need to get into the whole issue of how many fights have been killed due to coaching that series, but this is just the latest one, and yeah, it absolutely kills for them going into Mexico. This is their big fight, their big moment. They were waiting for Kane to come back to go down there, and then this happens a few weeks out from the fight it's too late to change the event or postpone it or anything like that so they had to go forward and it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the buzz and just everything around this event this debut event in mexico and the- that's not, it's honestly the worst uh it's the worst thing to happen uh to the ufc this year I, you know for all of the the main events that were canceled for all the champions that got injured uh you know as as mike said the ufc was banking on going to Mexico with Cain Velasquez. They waited for a year for Cain to come back to fight before they went to Mexico. They could have gone earlier. You know, they could have gone whatever. They were waiting for, they were waiting for Cain. He was a Mexican, a Mexican-American champion, and he was the guy they wanted headlining their first card there. They think this is going to be their next Brazil. They think this is going to be like their next frontier where they're going to hold, you know, five, six cards a year. And and now to have their marquee guy, the guy that was going to carry them into this new this new territory, hurt. I mean, it's just the absolute worst thing that could happen to them this year. Worse than John Jones getting hurt, you know, against Cormier. Worse than you know Gustafson getting hurt. Worse than than all of that. This is the worst thing that happens to them this year. Wow, those are, yeah, big words. I mean, geez, big. That's brutal. Other news before we get to UFC 179. We saw that George St. Pierre started training at pro practice again this week for the first time. Mark, do you think we see him return to the UFC in 2015? And if so, is the title his first match back? Mark? Sorry about that. Um, will he be back in 2015? I, if he's going to come back, it will be in 2015. I'm not 100% sold that he's going to come back yet. You know, they had uh, Dana White and Lorenzo Fertitta went to Montreal last week to meet with GSP. Yeah, they went to meet with GSP. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, a big coincidence they ran into him. Of course they were there, at least in part, to speak to him. I, I don't know what was said. I have no idea. Was it, was it a negotiation? Were there some numbers thrown out? Probably. Um, I, th- I think that he, he will come back. I think that he'll probably come back in 2015 if, if he does come back at all. As far as the title fight, I mean, I, I know Dana White has said that he'll come back and immediately fight for the title. I'm not sure that's a great idea, honestly. I'm not, I'm not in love with him coming back and, and fighting for the title right away. Why not give him a, you know, a tune-up fight? He's been out for a long time. He was just injured. I would actually like to see him fight Carlos Condit again. I know they fought once before. Both of them are uh, coming off torn ACLs. Uh, Condit's still one of the top guys in the division. Uh, I think that that fight is, is kind of cool. It kind of makes sense. And if, if George wins that fight, you know, then we know that he's back. You know, we know he's back and he's ready for a title fight. Mike, your thoughts? I mean, does does GSP coming back throw a bit of a wrench in TriStar's plans for Rory McDonald and stuff? Yeah, definitely. And regrettably, I do agree with Mark for the most part. I've been saying for the longest time that I don't think GSP is going to come back. And I'd feel, I mean, it seems more and more as time passes that he is going to come back. And I don't really want to completely change my stance on it now. I feel like he wasn't going to, but maybe if he does, um, it obviously would throw a big wrench in the division. Um, Roy McDonald is... You're a, you're, a flip, right. you're a flip-flopper, Bond. You're a flip-flopper. <laughs> <laughs> not flip flopper at all. I'm just saying, in the situation that he does come back, I think he would be right in that title picture. But I don't know if he's going to want to step over Rory McDonald if he is the champion or if he's just right in position for that title fight. Say it's like March of next year or something like that. Um, and I don't know. I don't agree with Mark at all on the fact that I don't like a Carlos Condit fight. If GSP is going to come back, it's only going to be for like one or two fights, I would assume. I don't think it's going to be for the long haul. And I want to see him fight guys that we haven't seen him fight yet. I want to see him go right into the big fight, even if it's like Anderson Silva or something. Or in the event, something happens with Rory McDonald and an opening that makes sense for GSP to go for the belt happens. But 
yeah, I don't know if he's going to come back or not. I also don't know what was said in those discussions. I haven't really heard anything. But if he does come back, I think it's only big fights that make sense for him. You know, I think um, I, I kind of uh, agree with you. When he, when he first when he first uh, stepped away, I didn't think he would ever return. But uh, the the one thing that I think that that might have had had some kind of influence in his decision. And uh, I said this at the time, and people thought that I was crazy, and I am a little bit crazy, granted. Um, but uh, people, I said that um, when when George tore his ACL, I thought that it would almost motivate him uh, to come back. And and my thinking was that you know when you have an injury like that, George St. Pierre is a Type A personality. You know he ha- he has that he has that uh, he he needs the challenge. And and tearing an ACL again and coming back from that would have been an incredible challenge for him. And I think part of uh, part of why he stepped away, I know there were personal issues, and I know that you know drug testing was has been a big topic with him. But I think part of the reason is also I think he was getting a little bit bored. I think that Anderson Silva went through the exact same thing, uh, you know, before getting knocked out by Weidman last year. I think that George was a little bit bored. Um, he had won a lot in a row. Um, he wasn't really. Uh, he even admitted not being motivated. Um, for whatever reason that was, I think that, that part of that is a little bit of boredom. You know, I think after the Nick Diaz fight, that was a high-profile fight. That kind of got him going a little bit. But after that, you know, as good as Hendricks is, uh, I think that it's just kind of the same old, the same old thing over and over for George. And I think that him tearing his ACL, something went in his mind, and, and he said, uh, maybe perhaps his, uh, his dark side. Um, something went in his mind, and he said, you know, this is another challenge. This is something else that no one has really ever done. You know, stepped away, come back from two ACLs, and excelled. And I think that's what. And I, I could be completely crazy and wrong here, but I think that had played a part in it. The dark spot, eh? You had to go there. I had to go there. At least I didn't mention aliens. <laughs> now, as if as if the sport wasn't sort of tainted enough, Conor McGregor today goes ahead and says he wants to teabag Chad Mendes and put his balls on his forehead. Um, obviously. For McGregor, this statement isn't completely shocking, but Mike, did he cross the line a little bit here? I don't know. Is, is there anything that's crossing the line with Conor McGregor? This guy kind of just seems to say whatever. Um, I don't know. It was Obviously, it's a little bit tasteless. Um, not my kind of humor. I'm not going to go write a story about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just whatever. It's, it's a little tasteless, but it doesn't surprise me at all. And We hear terrible stuff in MMA all the time, guys saying stuff to each other, and I don't know, this kind of just falls off the shoulder to me. Mark, what do you it's think? Fantastic. It's yeah? fantastic. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> I lo- I, Conor McGregor is phenomenal. Conor McGregor, uh, you know, this, I mean, he reminds me of uh, a little bit of Ronda Rousey in a way, and uh, obviously, you know, they're, they're very different, but the things that they say... Uh, can draw headlines alone. A lot of people uh, in MMA think they do injuries, whatever. Uh, those turn into headlines. But very few people in MMA, when they say something, it becomes a headline. When they say something outrageous, it becomes a headline. It really only goes for like you know Ronda Rousey, Dana White, and now kind of Conor McGregor. It used to be Chael Sonnen, but obviously you know he's he's retired now. But you know the, the, the fact that he that he's making news. Just by saying something outrageous, you know, means that he is, he has become a star. You know, he has become a draw. He has become someone that fans are excited to see. Whether they love him or they hate him, you know, there really is no middle ground. You either really, really, you know, love Conor McGregor and, and uh, there's, there's so many uh, McGregor fanboys on Twitter. It's amazing. You know, whenever you, you tweet about him, you know, I feel like every Irish person, like, on my, on my timeline comes out and, and comments when I, when I tweet on him. And uh, it's it's just uh, he he really he just he 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 just raised the ire of people and he, he gets people interested in stuff like that is the reason why he doesn't he doesn't care you know he doesn't care he doesn't he doesn't give a shit I don't can I say that say whatever you want man he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't care what uh, people think of him you know he's gonna say whatever he wants whatever comes to his uh, his mind at that time and uh, that kind of spontaneity is is really missing you know from from certain stars in, in MMA. I, there's so many cliches, you know, the same old stuff that, you know, that Mike and I hear on a regular basis when we're talking to fighters about, oh, you know, I had a great best training camp in my life. I'm in the best shape of my life. You know, I feel, I feel great coming into the fight. And uh, Conor McGregor turns that entire thing on its ear 
and he just says, you know, some crazy stuff. And so did, and Ronda Rousey is the exact same way. And that's why those two are, are stars the way they are now. McGregor is not quite in Rousey's, you know, position yet, but he's getting there. It's still, it's still early for him. And he also doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, the male fan base that Ronda Rousey has too. But, uh, if you know what I mean, but, uh, he, he's getting there. He's, <clears throat> he's becoming a star and, I don't care if he if he wants to teabag Chad Mendez. Obviously, he doesn't actually want to do that. Um, it's just something to he just says outrageous stuff, and and I'm okay with that. Well, I guess to go off that mark, like I, um, at what point, like since we are three MMA media guys here, at what point do you guys feel like we shouldn't like give that stuff headlines? I mean, it is ridiculous, and people do like to quick click on. It. And I know I saw Mark, I saw someone kind of having this conversation with someone last night on Twitter about Brock Lesnar and being in MMA headlines and stuff. Uh, um, at what point, like, do, should we give him the attention for ridiculous statements like that? Because I know he sure he has plenty of them. But is it is it part of our job, and is it okay to be giving these things attention? Yes, because our our job as journalists is to give our audience what they want. That is our that is our absolute number one job. That's why we're there. Um, that is our, that is our goal. You know, our goal as journalists, and that's my goal every day is to give my, my audience, you know, foxsports.com's audience, uh, something they want to read about. And as ridiculous as Conor McGregor saying, I'm going to put my balls on your forehead, as ridiculous as that is, and it's pretty ridiculous. It's, it's going to get, it's going to get clicks. It's going to, people are going to read it. They're going to consume that. And I believe that that is my duty. And I know that other people, you know, some journalism purists, you know, people are going are gonna to complain about clickbait. And clickbait does definitely exist. But to me, clickbait means a headline that uh, doesn't go with the story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A headline that is, like, really, like, salacious and outrageous. And then you click on the story, and it really wasn't about that. And I saw that on a site um, this week where it was a headline. I think it, I think it might have been about, it might have been about Ronda Rousey at the, the pro wrestling show over the weekend in California, and it was a headline that really didn't capture what actually happened, but kind of like twisted around what happened into a very to a salacious headline. That that is what clickbait is to me. Clickbait is not. Conor McGregor says Chad, Men- you know, he wants to put his balls on Chad Mendez's head because that is what he said. That's not a clickbait. That's that's reality. That that's exactly what he said. So so that's that's my opinion. I, I know that uh, that Mike and I differ on this, and I know that not everyone agrees with me on this. But I'm also an alum of the New York Post, you know, which is a very tabloid form of journalism. Fox Sports is kind of a tabloid form of journalism. That's fine, but I still believe that my duty is to present the information in an entertaining way to my audience that they, that they want to read every, every day. And that's what I try to do. So I, think, yeah, my, I, I think that this is Conor McGregor saying he wants to put his balls on his forehead is a little different in the sense that people will read this. This is a little different than yesterday's John Jones Snapchat video that aired, which obviously got clicks on YouTube, but that's not something that one, myself at least, would turn into a story. See, see that um, I, I I was not interested in writing about that at all. Uh, for the very reason is uh, uh, journalism is still supposed to be informative, right? So we're still supposed to inform. There's obviously entertainment. It's sport. It's sports journalism. You know, sports journalism is, is a little bit more explanatory entertainment. But in this instance, where there was just this random video of John Jones, you know, sending a snap. It's a video of a video of John Jones's Snapchat, but there was no information there. You know, there was just that video. We don't know where it came from. We don't know if, you know, who he sent it to. We don't know how it was, it was obtained by anyone. So that's why I was not interested in writing about it, because there was no... If you can explain where this came from, and there's a backstory behind it, and maybe, maybe it's a joke, maybe it's a prank, I don't know. But if you can, if, if you can somehow explain and, and, and inform people about this, that's fine, because you are supposed to inform Exactly. That's that's one that's one thing. But just putting that out there and saying, "Hey, here's a here's a ridiculous you know Snapchat of John Jones." That's not really in- informational. That's just you know 
that's that's very that's just I mean that's got that's gossip that's TMZ that's I mean that is what that is what media is becoming and that's what the popular you know media is becoming but I was not interested in writing that. So where would you guys stand on like the Cody Gibson video TMZ bar video? Is that something that's worth like re uh, like redistributing as news, or is that just another one of those things that doesn't really have enough information and backstory to be? to be passed along in that capacity. You see, now I see that I, I would put that up. I would post that on, say, reposting it on a Facebook page, but not put it on the website. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, in, in that case, um, I had no problem with, uh, with outlets running that story, but the, the best thing to do would be to get Cody Gibson on the phone and interview him about that, exactly. which I did. Which I did see most of. I, I saw most MMA media outlets actually interview Cody Gibson, have him explain what happened. Uh, I mean, you know, something like that is is, you know, journalism is a funny word. You know, it's 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 kind of being stretched these days by the TMZs of the world. But at least at his side of the story, you know, there's that informational aspect in there. Well, what happened? Like what, what, you know, why did this occur? You know, what, get his side of the story, explain what happened, you know, what happened. It's a, it's a funny video. It's an entertaining video. I, I have no, I have no problem with it as long as there's some kind of substance, you know, behind it. All right. This weekend, the UFC returns to Brazil. Basically the reason why I got you guys on the phone, uh, Basically, a two-fight card at UFC 179 is what people are saying. The main event is a rematch that people have been anticipating. I heard, however, Mike Chiapetta on this week's MMA Hour, and you know he was quite surprised that the odds weren't a little bit closer in this one. Right now, Aldo is a minus 250 favorite on most betting sites, with uh, Mendez as a plus 190 dog. Um, do you see these uh, odds being fair, Mark? Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. Uh, the, the venerable Mike Chiapetta, by the way. Um, <laughs> I uh, I disagree with him in that sense. I think I think that's that's pretty much around what I would what I would predict. You know, if I if I were uh, if I were doing the odds, it was actually higher um, a few weeks ago. The uh, uh, Aldo's Aldo was a favorite. Um, I think he was like a minus three twenty favorite at one point. It kind of ballooned for a bit. And then uh, I guess some more money came in on Mendez, but yeah, I mean Aldo Aldo is the established champion. You know he's been he hasn't lost since 2005. He really hasn't been he hasn't really been challenged a, a whole hell of a lot. You know he he's won most of his fights really convincingly. So from that from that perspective, I say yeah that's that's fine. Uh, you know he did knock out Mendez before. I know there's the whole fence grabbing thing where you know he probably should be on a point doc and maybe that should have never happened. But you know he has he has a pretty he has a he has a, a significant win over over Mendez already. So yeah, I'm, I I have I have no problem with with the lines the way they are. Um, I I do think that Mendez has more than anyone else in the division. I think that Mendez has a skill set to beat Aldo. But I, I think that he's probably the the smallest underdog of anyone that would be even if like McGregor were to get the title shot. I think that Aldo would be a bigger favorite against McGregor. So I, I have no problem with that with the odds the way they are. Do you see this fight playing out a lot like the first one, Mike, or, or are you leaning towards the challenger? I don't know. It's really hard to see how this one's going to play out because I think these guys are just so different since the first one. I mean, obviously the root of their skill sets are very similar still, but I don't know. Mendez has obviously evolved a lot on the feet and all those. It doesn't really seem like he's evolved nearly as much since that first fight. He's gotten a lot more complacent every time he fights. Uh, kind of just has his go-to moves that are good enough to beat all the guys who come forward. Um, so Mendez, I, I agree with Mark. He does present the biggest challenge, I believe in terms of just his style. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can really put all the on his back in this one and keep him down there and just try to use his ground and pound or who knows that although there's so many questions around him going into this fight for me, his camp is just completely in disarray lately. All their champions have been falling, Dantas, Barrao. Um, he's kind of, there's all this pressure on him being the last Brazilian champion. 
Uh, he obviously has his injury problems that he's always trying to come back from and kind of has to overcome before every fight. So there's just really a lot of questions surrounding him. That's why I find this fight to be so interesting and why I'm a little disappointed that there's not really more hype around it right now. And you, Mark? You, uh, you, mentioned, uh, you mentioned Mike Chiappetta earlier, and, and he made another really good point on uh, the MMA Hour on Monday. He said that Aldo is the kind of guy who, who might not necessarily bring his, his A-plus game against some of the lesser contenders in the division. You know, he, he may not have completely stepped up to the level that he can, he can really get to against like, the Ricardo Lamases of the world. But uh, it's possible that Ben Mendez is the guy to bring the old Aldo out. You know what I mean? Like he, he could be the guy to to really have Aldo motivated and at the top of his game and and, and ready to go. I, I don't know, but that's another thing that that she had kind of brought up that I thought was interesting because Aldo can. It's kind of that whole you know that I mentioned before the St. Pierre Silva. You know, you kind of get bored. You know, a lot a lot of these guys come around and they're really not all that good. You know, Aldo's a big favorite in a lot of these fights and. You know, Mendez comes in and he's he's a lot he's a live dog. You know, he's a he's he's to me the second best guy in the division, and they're both in their prime. So, uh, just like what what Mike says, this is a this is a really awesome fight, and uh, it's not getting any any buzz at all. It, it would it would be great to see him come out and and light a fire under his ass like we did see in in those old WEC days. So I'll put this question out to both you guys: If Aldo does somehow lose this fight to Mendez. Do you think that he'll finally decide to move up to 155 pounds, Mark? Geez, that's that's tough. Uh, I I want to see that Aldo Pettis fight uh, really really badly. And uh, when they when they were talking about it, I, was, I mean that's one of the to me just like from a from a pure like MMA fan's point of view, that's one of the most fun fights the UFC can do right now. Um, I, both guys are so athletic and dynamic and such good strikers. There's I mean. Tremendous fight. Um, so from that perspective, I'd like to see him, you know, move up. Whether or not he will, I don't know. I mean, the featherweight division is, is the best it's been, you know, probably since he's been the champion. You know, there are, there are a lot there are a lot of guys out there for him. You know, Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar, Conor McGregor. There's a lot of uh, those are those are. Granted, he's already beaten Swanson and Edgar, but both were you know a, a while ago. I mean, I think he should stay around for a bit. As much as I want to see Pettis against Aldo, I think he should stay around. Mike. I think it completely depends on the situation. Is the UFC going to be willing to grant him an immediate rematch if he loses this fight to Mendez? Would they be willing to give him an immediate title shot at 155? I think these things matter a lot. Maybe he would to move up for another title shot, but I don't know. It all depends on how his cut is going and how he feels in this one. And I think if he was to lose this fight and stay at 145, his path to the title or back to the title would be a lot shorter than it would be if he just went up to 155 and kind of had to start from scratch a little bit. Obviously, he would be near the top and get big matchups at the beginning, but I think that climb would be a little bit different for him. Uh, so I think it, it completely depends. It's really too hard to say until he does lose and we see really what the UFC is willing to do with him. If they pass him over and give the t- next title shot to Conor McGregor, I could see him possibly giving 155 a try. Hmm. Now, in you the- don't think you think he'd want to fight McGregor? What do you mean if he loses? You're 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 saying he'd move up after the McGregor fight? No, I'm saying if Aldo loses to Mendez, I think he, oh, if Aldo loses, okay, yeah, and they give McGregor the title shot instead of giving Aldo a rematch. But then I don't. But then you know him coming to one fifty five, it doesn't really have a lot of allure. You know the super fight is out. I'm not sure if he would. I think I think if he loses, if he loses to Mendez, I think he he's more inclined to stay. I think if he if he beats Mendez and then beats McGregor, I think then he might go. Yeah, totally. But wasn't the question pretty, that happens almost, if he loses? Yes, it was. But I mean that that's putting other things into perspective, obviously. Yeah. Okay. All right, Come on, the- Bond. Get it together. <laughs> in the co-main event, Glover Teixeira takes on Phil Davis. Just give me a prediction for this one and how you see it playing out, Mike. Oh, man. This is, this is another tough one to predict. Both these guys didn't look that great in their last fight. I mean, Phil Davis just got completely mauled by Anthony Johnson, didn't really have much offense to speak of at all in that fight, and same goes for Glover Teixeira against John Jones. So, both these guys really need this one, but it's an interesting matchup. I mean, Glover Teixeira, 
he's never really fought a wrestler like Phil Davis. He's obviously fought good wrestlers, like especially John Jones, but I don't think anyone someone like Phil Davis who's going to come in there and really, really go for the takedown and try to base their entire strategy around wrestling. And I think if Phil Davis does that, it's going to be interesting, especially if he can consistently get Glover to the ground. He obviously has to watch out for the power punches. But if I think if Davis, he's done really well in Brazil in the past. If he can crowd Glover and really stay away from his heavy hands and get this fight to the ground, this is going to be, I think he wins a decision here. Mark? So you're predicting uh, Phil Davis, Mike? Yeah, by decision. Okay, I was, you know, I just wanted to make sure you had that had that out there, you know, <laughs> clear, clear and, and black and white. Um, I I disagree. I think that uh, I think Glover Teixeira takes the fight. You know, we we saw. I I don't completely disagree with you. I I, I Phil Davis is is a lot better than people are giving credit for right now online. Man, he's got a lot of haters online. I mean, on on Twitter, people are just killing the guy. He's still one of the one of the very best 205 pounders in the UFC, and that's really hard to dispute. You know, I still I'm still not sure if we've seen uh, the best from him yet. Maybe that will come out on Saturday. I think that Teixeira will win though because uh, Teixeira's uh, takedown defense is very good, and Teixeira's got really good hands. And uh, Phil Davis, you know, his his weakest point is his weakest asset is his striking. And uh, he really he really struggles standing up. And Teixeira is uh is very good. He got he got, you know, one punch knockout power. And uh more than that, you know, he's able to he's able to uh Phil Davis is not gonna be able to, you know, time his, his shots because he's gonna be too worried about getting punched in the face by, by Glover Teixeira. You know, Davis has a hard time setting up his wrestling with his striking because his striking is, is subpar. Um, that's why I think that Teixeira will pick him apart, hit him with some big shots. It'll be a very similar fight to me um, as the Anthony Johnson fight. And uh, you have to remember, uh, Chuck Liddell, uh, uh, Teixeira is, is a longtime training partner of Chuck Liddell. What was Chuck Liddell best at? Sprawl and brawl. You know, that, that great takedown defense and those heavy hands. That's, con- that's pretty much Glover Teixeira's game with, with better submissions and, and uh, maybe even better technical boxing, possibly. So I think Teixeira wins it. I think it will also be a decision. I don't think that Davis will get knocked out. I think it will be a unanimous decision for uh, Teixeira. Uh, I agree. I mean, I agree with what most most of what you said, except for really the part about Davis's striking. I think his striking is super underrated. Obviously, he's struggling a bit on the offensive end, but really look at the guys who he's got dominated by on the feet. It was pretty much just Anthony Johnson, Rashad Evans, pretty much has way on the feet. But his defense is really underrated. Did, did he, you did you watch Did you watch Phil Davis against Vinny Magalhaes? Did you yeah. watch that fight? Yeah, I know. I watched. You it. Watch I mean, it? he. I said his offense obviously has a lot to work on, but I think his defense is super underrated. He, if you look at statistic wise, he gets hit one of the least of any of the guys in the division. So I think he's going to be good enough defensively to be able to stay away from that huge knockout shot. And if he can pair that with getting takedowns, I think this is his fight to win. I didn't say he was getting knocked out, but he was uh, losing by decision. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, if he can avoid the the big shots and avoid a knockout, or just consistently being hit and really get his takedowns going, I think that's a huge check mark in his corner. You want to uh, little wager? What do you think? I don't know. I, I don't bet on MMA, bro. Uh, me neither. <laughs> I don't win. I don't win. I don't win when I gamble. So, exactly. so, 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 Phil Davis, wherever you are right now. Congratulations, because uh, you're, you're going to be a big upset on, on Saturday. <laughs> All right, going over this card, it's a lot of uh, hometown boys, obviously, taking on sort of out-of-country guys. Mark, if you had to give one fight on this card to the casual fan to keep their eyes on, what oh. would it be? Wait, you mean there are other fights on this card besides the first two? Exactly. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> UFC 179, there are other, there are other fights? Like after Aldo Mendez and, or I should say, before Aldo Mendez and Phil Davis over the sheriff. To, Are you sure? Are you, has this has this been confirmed? <laughs> so um, you, obviously, uh, I'm just I'm just joking. Casual fans, I mean, there's that. That's it. Those two fights are are, are really what what the casual fans are, are probably going to be interested in. Um, the, the other fight that I'm that I'm curious about. And and this is, I mean, it's on the main card, but these are not names that most people would know. 
it's uh, it's the it's the Carlos uh, Diego Ferreira against uh, Benil Dariush fight, and uh, I I really like Ferreira a lot as a prospect. Um, his grappling is really really excellent, and uh, he I think he I believe he's ten and zero right now. He's he one fifty five. It's such a good division. It's loaded. I don't know if he'll ever be a title contender, but um, his his uh, his wrestling and, and jiu-jitsu game is, is really interesting to watch. He's a very active um, uh, ground game, and I I enjoy watching him fight. Um, and uh, Darius, he's coming off a loss, but uh, he's a pretty dynamic striker. He's got a pretty good ground game. He's a pretty decent, well-rounded guy. It's a, it's an interesting fight to me uh, on a card where there aren't a ton of intriguing fights. You know, having an undefeated guy like Ferreira going against another semi-prospect, you know, it kind of, it kind of, you know, intrigued me a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if Neil Magny picks up his fifth win of 2014. I think. I I can't get excited about Neil Magny. <laughs> I, I, I I wish I could. I I just I you know. Very nice, very nice guy. He he's very on guy. he he's okay. on this episode of the podcast as well. So I had to say that, Mike. Neil yeah. Neil Magny. Is one of the. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, the Neil Magny story is interesting just from a, that perspective that seeing if a guy can go 5 and 0 in the UFC. Obviously, he hasn't fought the greatest competition, but it's still interesting nonetheless. And for a guy like him who isn't really the biggest name to go out there and get five show and win bonuses in a year, I'm sure is huge for him personally and just financially. So, I mean, that, that's good for him and that's interesting to keep an eye on. But if you're just a casual person buying this pay-per-view and really just looking for the first two fights and you're watching through the pay-per-view and don't know any of the other guys, you're probably going to get your eye caught by Fabio Maldonado. That guy always brings it. He's one of my favorite average fighters. He just always goes out there and puts on a show and has really really crazy fights and yeah i mean he's a guy that obviously not going to be a champion or anything but he goes out there and he delivers the goods pretty much every time and i think he'll probably do it again especially fighting in brazil and plus he's uh he's fighting the, the guy from die hard uh yes. Han, Han, Han Stringer, right? the, die, <laughs> the die hard uh, villain i think that was yes. from uh, die hard with r1 r1 i think Han Stringer, right I believe so. Yeah. Now, Mark, I know the answer for you for this question, so I'm just going to ask it to Mike because you pretty much already gave me your answer. But, Mike, if you weren't in the MMA media, would this be a pay-per-view card that you would buy? Ah, that's so hard to say. I don't. I don't like I mean, that. That I don't like that you're putting words in my mouth here. I don't, I don't like that. I, well, I'd, like, I'd like to get a shot at answering this as well. I, I will. Can, I, I, can go I will I'll let say, you answer that. I but will the fact say that you that said there's only two fights on this card. I'm not sure you're going to want to fork out sixty bucks. Okay. Well, I, I'll, I, will I, go first. I would not assume. I would not assume anything. Okay. I would not assume anything. Okay, so let, my, let, let, uh, say, let Mr. Bond uh, say his spiel, and then I'll uh, I'll I'll come back. It's uh pretty impossible for me to say if I just was a casual fan because I'm so immersed in the MMA game. But I will say that I do have two really good friends who pretty are pretty religious followers of MMA. I'd call them a little more than casual fans, and they come over fairly often for the fights they want to see. And this is not a card that they plan on coming over for. So I'll just put it that way. Um, I don't think there's a lot to be interested here other than the top two fights. And even the co-main event, I mean, it's it's two guys coming off a loss. It's not a super meaningful fight in terms of like a title shot. It's meaningful for the two guys in terms that if they lose, they are really going to might be irrelevant in the light heavyweight title picture. But the main event is pretty much all that it has here. And Really, I mean, I did an interview with Chad Mendes earlier this week, and he called out Jose Aldo for not promoting his fights and being a hermit crab in Brazil. And he's kind of been that way. There's been no promotion of this fight from Aldo's side. It's really been Mendes doing all the talking, and him alone is not enough to draw people to this pay-per-view, the casual fans, in my opinion. So I think this is going to be one of those lower-tier buy pay-per-views that we've kind of seen recently with the likes of Demetrius Johnson and Barrow headlining and all that. Mark, the floor is yours. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I I do agree with Mike that this will not uh, draw a very big buy rate number. I think that's pretty obvious. However, however, uh, it's not there's not every card um, can you get a main event with uh, the two best fighters in their respective division um, at the top of their games in their primes. You know, uh, neither one of those guys is 30 years old yet. You know, they're they're. They're better than than they ever will be probably in this fight, 
Jose Aldo, Chad Mendez, and the two top guys in the division. It's not very often that you get that in, in the UFC these days, you know, where, you know, Chris Cariasso gets a title shot against uh, Demetrius Johnson, you know, the number eight guy, you know, on the ranks gets a title shot. These are legitimately the two best guys in, in the division. Uh, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, history with, uh, with Mendez and, and Aldo with the first fight and Aldo grabbing the cage. They've done a little bit of back and forth leading up to the fight. There's been some trash talk back and forth. Aldo's accusing Mendez of, you know, drug use, you know, performance dancing drug use. Uh, there is intrigue in, in this fight for me, and maybe it's because I'm just in the bubble. But I, but I think, I think, yes, I think that Aldo is, what, the number two pound-for-pound best fighter in the world? I think that if you're an MMA fan, I don't think I don't think you can admit you can miss Aldo Mendez. I don't think you can. I think that Aldo is one of the best in the world. I don't think you can miss him. You know, I don't I don't think you can miss an Aldo fight. I, you know, he doesn't talk. He doesn't. You know, and this is kind of counter to everything that I that I always say about promoting fights and selling fights. But at, at the end of the day, you're an MMA fan because why? Because you enjoy watching MMA, and and Aldo is exciting to watch. Uh, he's incredibly skilled. And uh, and Mendez the same way, and they're the two best guys in the division in the title shot. I mean, to me, I I hate to say that that fight sells itself because it doesn't to a large portion of the of the casual fan base. But if you're an MMA fan, I, I think that you have to watch. I think you have to watch this fight. I, I think you do. Agreed, agreed. All right, we're almost at forty minutes here. Jesus, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for joining me today, Mark. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. I mean, I think you should let people know since you tracked me down on uh, email. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, uh, my Twitter is uh, at uh, Mark underscore Raimundi. It's M-A-R-C underscore R-A-I-M-O-N-D-I. And uh, you can find my work at uh, foxsports.com slash UFC. Mike? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Bon MMA, M-I-K-E-B-O-H-N-M-M-A, none of those silly underscores like Mark over there. And then uh, oh, you, can find, you can find my work hello. at MMAJunkie.com and USAToday.com and in, uh, occasionally in print in the newspaper USA Today. Thanks a lot, guys, and uh, have fun watching UFC 179 this Saturday night. Man, that was a lot of fun. It was It was hilarious hearing those two bounce off of each other a little bit and uh you know the back and forth the disagreements it was a lot of fun thank you to mark and mike for uh their contribution to this week's episode of sucker radio coming up next as always we have justin Pirro's unpopular opinions you got an opinion it doesn't matter because justin Pirro doesn't give a shit about yours up next Unpopular Opinions, here on Sucker Radio. Hey everybody, it's me, Justin Pirro, here for more Unpopular Opinions on Sucker Radio at MMASucka.com. First off, let's start with Kung Lee. The UFC, realizing that things didn't go the way they were supposed to as far as the drug testing goes... They rescinded their suspension of Lee and have said he's good to fight again. I don't know how the appeal would have gone, but it's the kind of mistake that the UFC is going to make if it's going to self-regulate, and it has to hold itself to a higher standard if it's going to do so. This has been said. But here's the thing about mistakes. Everybody should get one. I'm not trying to defend the UFC here. They made some mistakes because... Quite honestly, they tried to rush the test with Kung Lee. There's a big uproar when that picture of Lee all jacked up came out that he said, oh, you know, I just finished a workout, it was good lighting, and everybody was like, nope, that's PEDs. So the UFC actually responded to the outcry with the drug testing. So let's not pretend that they're not listening. But the fact that they recognized the error and... Save themselves a lot of bad PR. That's a sign that there may be a little bit more open-mindedness going on in the management and that perhaps the Fertitas are starting to rein in Crazy Dana. And I hope that's the case. Now, the next thing. John Jones. 
John Jones, if you didn't know, had some intimate images really sorry released leaked quite honestly by someone from a Snapchat. Odds are they don't belong to sorry they weren't intended for someone who was his wife. That doesn't matter. Here's the thing. The same uproar that we're in now about women getting their pictures leaked, whether they're hacked or just leaked by an ex, the same uproar, whether it's a violation of privacy, it's sexual humiliation as the intended goal, that still applies. That still applies regardless of the gender. So be pissed off for both. Be pissed off when it happens to Misha Tate. Be pissed off when it happens to John Jones. And I don't even particularly like John Jones. But if we want a truly equal society, we have to deal with breaches of privacy, breaches of trust, and all-around douchebaggery the same way, regardless of who it happens to. So, you know, let's have some equality. You know, social justice is important, but we have to remember... It's only justice if it's fair and if it's equal. Now, finally, on the idea of justice and guilt and all that, I'm tired of MMA writers and the like. They're even like hardcore fans who were writers feeling guilty or acting like they feel guilty about liking MMA or acting like they like MMA ironically. Yes, there are consequences to this sport. You may not feel like the UFC advertises them, but neither does any other sport. Have you seen the brains of the average football player that's passed away lately? Those things are looking like Swiss cheese. Hockey players can barely walk. Boxers? Oh, well. Muhammad Ali, need I say more? But don't feel like because there is violence, you have to feel guilty about it. These are This isn't consequence-free violence. You may have issues with the fan base, but I've got news for you. Just because some asshole likes the same thing you do doesn't make it bad. It just means something has that wide of an appeal. So yes, you may say, oh, well, MMA fans have connections to sexism, misogyny, white supremacy, racism... Have you been to NASCAR? Have you seen a hockey game? Have you gone to a soccer game in Europe? You don't want to go to see a soccer game in Italy because they are outright chanting racist slogans at African players or at black players of any descent on those fields. So don't think that because there are bad elements in MMA fandom, you have to feel guilty for being a fan. If you do, you should just stop being a fan of every sport. You should stop being a fan of movies, of music, because everything in the world attracts a negative element. And I'm sorry to say that, but it does. I used to work security. I have been to big family concerts for a certain culture. You know, it was a ethnically centered concert featuring a star from overseas and before the concert even started there was a brawl between two families in the vip and this was at Narina. so everything attracts bad elements get over it get over yourself enjoy the sport for what it is it is a competition yes it is a violent competition but it is a competition you enjoy seeing the technique? Great. If you enjoy seeing the violence? Fine. That's fine. Just remember, it's okay to like MMA. And now finally, for those people who are complaining because they are out there about Cain Velasquez being replaced in his title fight because he's injured, so they put in Mark Hunt against Fabrizio Verdum and made it a interim heavyweight title match at UFC 180. I'm sorry, but that fight's awesome! It's Mark Hunt! Missed the only man in years, the only man besides Andre Orlovsky, 
to knock out Roy Nelson. He's also the only man to knock out fat UFC Roy Nelson. So, give Mark Hunt his props. He is a top-tier heavyweight at this point, as much as a lot of people don't want to admit it. Yeah, he's a little on the rotund side. Brother Samoan, it can't be helped. You know, even The Rock had gynomasticoma. He actually had surgery to have the fatty pockets of tissue under his pectorals removed. So, you know what? Get over it. Enjoy the fight, because if Verdun wants to keep it standing, this could very well be a war. And with Mark Hunt's improved takedown defense, this may not go to the ground. So, be stoked, be happy, and remember you have something to look forward to after we watch Chad Mendez take on Jose Aldo this weekend. Boom! So, if you have complaints or grievances with anything I have to say, let me know! Hit me up on Twitter at StormlandBrand or on Facebook, facebook.com Stormland. And y'all, I know some of you guys aren't subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, so track down Sucker Radio, subscribe on iTunes. All right, back to Jeremy. Justin, as always, uh, thank you very much, and sort of tipping the edge, as you always seem to do. Um... Coming up next, we'll be joined by UFC 179's Neil Magny. This guy's going for his fifth straight victory in 2014. Coming up next, Neil Magny. Joining me now is a man that will make his fifth appearance in the UFC Octagon at this weekend's UFC 179 event. And I mean fifth appearance in this calendar year. Please welcome Neil Magny to Sucker Radio. Neil, thanks for taking the time to join me today, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Now, as I said, five fights in one calendar year, that is pretty insane, but definitely a great paying year for you. Uh, just explain the toll that training that much for fights has taken on one's body. Um, uh, physically, it's, it hasn't been that hard to train. I mean, I'm constantly in the gym uh, and trying to get better, trying to improve as a fighter. So uh, it hasn't been that hard on me physically to stay in the gym and be, be able to fight this many times in one year, but overall, it's just a true blessing that I'm able to do this. I mean, like you said earlier, it's a, it's a financial blessing, and it's a blessing to start a record in UFC for competing this many times in one year. And obviously, it's been a race with yourself, Donald Cerrone, Darren Crookshank for most fights in the one year. Was this something sitting in the back of your mind? No, I had no idea it was going to work out this way. Um, last November, after my second loss in UFC, I didn't know I was going to fight for UFC again, so to be able to fight four times already and have this one lined up for next week. I had no idea what this year would happen this way. No kidding. Now, since going one and two in your first three UFC appearances, you're now on a four-fight winning streak and seem to be as confident as ever. It seems like you found sort of a comfort zone inside the octagon and are surprising each and every fighter you step in there with. Would, would you agree with this? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, before, or I can think back to my prior fights, I had, I had so many worries outside of the cage. I was worried whether or not my performance would be good enough to keep me around, or what happens if I lose, or what happens if the fans don't like the way I fight. It's been so many things like uh, affecting negatively getting, getting ready to fight. So just get to the point now where I can understand that that stuff's out of my control, and all I can do is focus on myself and, and uh and how I train and how I tried for the night, it just makes it that much easier to uh, compete that night. Now, in your last outing, you uh, what many thought was your toughest test to date um, in Alex Garcia, you took home a lopsided unanimous decision victory at UFC Fight Night 49 in August. What was your thought process behind taking yet another fight in this calendar year? Um, I, I just... I think that's a blessing. I, I, it's something I couldn't control. The opportunity came up. I didn't ask for it, and I felt more than ready to, to uh, step up and take that fight. Um, I was able to go leave my last fight on the injuries, and the opportunity came up, and I just jumped on and said, yeah, let's do it. Do you, and I'm not saying this with any, uh, you know, to be mean or anything like that, but do you like coming into these fights as an underdog? Because it seems like the majority of your last four fights, at least, you've been the underdog coming into all of these. Definitely, I mean, uh, knowing them, the underdog going in kind of gives a little more edge toward that much harder, but 
at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if I'm the underdog or being brought in as the favorite. It's still as dangerous going in there. Like, it's a fight, and it can go either way at any moment. So I try not to think of it too much, but it is kind of motivating to be an underdog at times. For sure. Now, two of your last four outings, you've had your opponents changed at, at sort of not the last minute, but during the fight camp. Does this present a challenge to you at all, or or is it just another guy who you get to punch in the face? No, just another guy. I mean, my coaches are working with me to become the best fighter I can be and uh, make it so that my opponent has to worry about me and not the other way around. I mean, my game plan doesn't necessarily change from opponent to opponent. I'm going to go in there, push the pace, use my range, and things like that. So uh, no matter who I go against, those things are going to change. It's just a matter of me making slight adjustments to whoever I'm fighting. But for the most part, my basics are going to stay the same. Yeah, your game planning seems to be great. You are using that reach a lot better than you did in your first few outings. Do you find you're just so much more comfortable in there now? Uh, comfortable for one, and just being able to have consistency with my coaches. Uh, over the last four years as a uh, pro fighter, I, I bounced around with about six or seven different striking coaches. So from the last four fights now, I had the same striking coach, Christian Allen. I used him for these last four fights. It's been consistent. Uh, whatever we worked back in January, we're still working now and just making it that much sharper, that much more technical. Nice. Now at UFC 179, you'll be taking on William Marcario, which is about that was expected to happen in May. I was surprised sort of that they the UFC matched you up with this guy again because you've since won two more fights, moved up the rankings, and he hasn't fought at all. Do you feel a win really does much for you ranking-wise here or other than giving you five fight, five wins in a row? Um, I just listened to that opportunity to show how much I grew as a fighter. There are things that I messed up my last fight with uh, against Alex Garcia that I, need, I, mean, I worked on in the gym and I can show that I improved on. So uh, regardless of whether it moves me up in the, in the rankings or not, it's usually an opportunity to go out there and fight. I mean, to get better at fighting, you have to fight. So whoever is in front of me, I'll go out there and just try to improve as a fighter. But a five-fight win streak obviously has to get you someone top caliber in your next fight. I'm not saying that this guy's not because anyone that steps inside the UFC octagon is, but you're going to want someone in, in the top 15 with a with a five-fight winning streak. I mean, definitely. I, I just take the opponents every time I can't. I don't want to necessarily call anyone out in particular or anything like that. I just kind of go with the flow of things. If uh Joe Silva, Dan White, all those guys decided, like, oh, I need to trust Neil Madden one more time for him to stop the team. And I was more willing to take whoever they throw at me and just show that I have what it takes to be out there with the best fighters. Now, being that you were supposed to fight this guy in the past, was this training camp pretty similar to what it was supposed to be back in May? Yeah, I mean, my, my training camps don't change much. It's the same same thing Monday through Saturday. Uh and it just constantly makes me a better fighter. Uh, my my strength conditioning coach gets me that much stronger per fight. My striking coach hasn't used my range that much more better per fight. My wrestling coach has the same takedowns better and be more offensive with my takedowns every fight. So it's just constantly improving as a fighter. So I don't think the training camp itself changed much for this opponent. Now, you have fought in Brazil before. It was your second fight under the UFC banner. Um, this is your your first time fighting there since being on this nice long win streak. Uh, does the time change and jet lag do anything for you? I mean, I know you're heading there early. So uh, how how does the time change and everything affect you? Um, I don't think the time change affects me much at all, actually. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a flight this overnight, so I'll kind of leave uh, America on Monday evening and arrive in Brazil Tuesday morning. So I kind of get to sleep on the plane and just wake up and treat like the, the following day. So... The jet lag and travel won't be too much on me. With five fights in 2014, what's the goal for 2015? Would you like to stay as active as you were this year? Definitely. If I'm fortunate enough to stay healthy and be able to stay active as well as this year and keep trying to grind to the UFC, I'd love to be able to do that in 2015. Money-wise, too, obviously. Yeah, tax is going to suck next year, but... <laughs> <laughs> No, no kidding. Now, your camp, um, you guys always seem to be mentally prepared. You said that earlier that not just inside the cage you're prepared, but also outside the cage you're prepared. So I'm sure visualization is key in your lead up to the fight. In a perfect world, how would Neil Magny finish this fight at UFC 179? Uh, perfect well, I finished this fight, second round submission. I mean, I, I'm going against a guy in Brazil, so I, I definitely have to push the pace and make it clear that I won that fight. I can't lead too many things 
uh, open for discussion or whatever. So I, I need to go out there and definitely push the pace and uh, make an interesting fight and clearly walk away the winner of this fight. Second round submission. You heard it here. Before we let you go, we got two more questions for you. Moving away from this fight, um, your season on The Ultimate Fighter was not the most positive in terms of critics' review, but you've since proved your worth inside the octagon. However, the two guys in the finals, Colton Smith and Mike Ricci, did not. Just explain your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that those guys aren't with the UFC anymore, but uh, who knows? They didn't get a couple fights out there. They seemed right back. I mean, uh, as as fighters, all of us try to grow per fight and try to improve per fight. So I'm pretty sure those guys are working on that and looking to make a return to the UFC eventually. Now, finally, going back in time, thinking about your 15 career professional mixed martial arts fights, what's one of the worst things an opponent has done to you in terms of cheating inside the octagon or the cage? Um, I haven't really had to deal with anyone cheating as far as I, I, I noticed or anything like that in my fights. Uh, definitely there were people with different techniques that I, I wasn't familiar with. They kind of caught me off guard. First is when I fought uh, Tim Means. Uh, he had me my back at one point, and he decided to knee, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he decided that he would... Uh, and me, my calf, as, as I was down. I mean, it was perfectly legal, but it was just one of those techniques that was different and just kind of not expecting. Interesting, interesting. Is it, did you add that to your arsenal? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I get that position. I'm looking for strikes. They're going to either finish the fight or allow me to get that position to finish the fight. No kidding. I'm sure, though, when guys do things to you that sort of unorthodox, you're thinking in the back of your head, hey, I'm going to try that in training. For sure. Sometimes you try to do it back from right away. It's like, wait a minute, you do that to me? It's my chance. <laughs> <laughs> he is Neil Magny. He will be in the featured bout on Fox Sports 1 preliminary card this Saturday night live from Brazil. Thank you so much for joining me today, man. And, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Um, yeah, be sure to follow me on uh, Twitter. And I recently just uh, have a score tower, so be sure to follow the score as well. Uh, it's folks at Neil Magny, so... Just love to catch you guys there. Thanks a bunch, Neil. Good luck this Saturday and, and all the best in travels over to Brazil. Awesome. Thank you. Neil takes this one as any other fight, any other fighter. It's just his fifth appearance in 2014. Oh, nothing special. <laughs> well, good luck to him this Saturday night at UFC 179 in Brazil. Hopefully he brings in another victory for the calendar year. Make that five. And uh, good luck to the rest of the combatants at UFC 179. Coming up next, Justin Pirro joins me one more time this episode. This time with Fight Boozin. Hey everybody, once again it's me, Justin Pirro, here to bring you more Fight Boozin. Now, we got UFC 179 coming up this week. Who you got? You got the featherweight champion of the world, Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo, sorry, because it's Brazilian. It's the R's they pronounce as H's, not the J's. Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendez 2, the rematch. So, in honor of the fact that this fight card features a Brazilian on the top spot and is in Brazil, I tracked down... Brazil's national spirit, Kashaka. Now, you might have seen this at your local liquor store. You may have seen this at fine establishments like the BCLC or Brewery Creek if you're a Vancouverite over on Main Street. Kashaka 51. That's what I tracked down for this. It is distilled from sugarcane, unlike rum, which is just from molasses. And Kashaka 51, it's got a hint of sweetness. It's pretty good. And it goes well, whether it's on the rocks, you have it mixed with cola... Or, if you check out the actual posting, we have the article for uh, this issue of Fight Boozin. You can make the Brazilian national cocktail, the Caipi Inha. So, 
go to your go to any decent liquor store. You should be able to track this down just about anywhere in North America. Give it a try. Get yourself some limes. Make yourself up a kaipiinha. And enjoy the prospect of violence this Saturday at UFC 179. Until the until next time with Fight Boozin, keep calm and drink on. All right, there you have it. Fight Boozin finishes off the show. Uh, thank you to my guests today, Mark Raimondi from Fox Sports, Mike Bond from MMAJunkie.com, and USA Today. Those two were fantastic. I appreciate having them on the show. Thank you to my guest, uh, fighter Neil Magny. And thank you to Justin Perot for his two segments on this week's episode. As always, check out my sponsor, Onnit, at onnit.com and use the coupon code MMASUCKA to save 10% off your entire supplement purchase. These guys have everything human optimization, so check them out. Onnit.com, coupon code M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A. As always... Check out MMA Sucker on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash MMA Sucker and on Twitter at MMA Sucker. You can follow me at JeremyBrand604 on Twitter. Uh, with that, make sure you check out UFC 179 this Saturday night. And as always, I'm out. <laughs>